Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Got Jason Theobald in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, good. How, how are you, John? Man, pretty, pretty good. It's a normal Thursday recording for us, and it's like a Groundhog Day, which we're going to talk about here in a second for us. Knock out emails, get to the gym, record yeah. a podcast. Um, so I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited to talk about this topic. But before I get to that, dude, we're at like 130 reviews. This is episode nine that we're recording Damn. right now. And people are just flooding us with reviews. And actually, I know I'm probably going to jinx us with this. We haven't had anything but all five stars. Um, on iTunes. So thank you very much, guys. We really appreciate that. If you don't mind, whenever you leave a review, throw it up on Instagram, tag us at team underscore Gorman, tag Scooby Prep. Um, you can find us both on Instagram. That way we see it. We're going to do some other cool stuff. We stopped with the giveaways after the first four or five episodes, but I've got something cool lined up. That I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys about now, but it's, it's big. So we're going to give away some pretty big stuff later down the road. And those are going to come from the reviews. So guys, keep dropping those. It really helps, and we really, really appreciate it. Another thing, too, at some point, we're going to have some guests. We're going to start asking you guys for topics, and we're going to do a little bit more on the Q&A side of things. So if you ever want to hear you know, a certain guest on, on the show, because dude, there's a lot of good people out there besides who Jason and I know. If there's someone that's really good that you want us to get on the show, message it at team underscore Gorman. Throw it in my Instagram DMs, and I'll get that stuff on the list. Or if you have a question, I'll get that on the list as well. So um jason without the with getting the housekeeping kind of out of the way and talking about the reviews that we're super excited about um this week i want to start off and talk about something i want to it's kind of just a pointer you know normally we talk about hey what's something new that you learned this week or what's something going on that's cool i actually want to bitch a little bit for a second but it's going to help our listeners out quite a bit um and we're both people that have to deal with this on a daily basis part of our job as coaches one of the biggest things that I'm seeing hold, you know, some of my clients back or people that just message me on social or, or in general is this big time lack of impatience. And to me, man, it's the number one thing that holds people back from building their best physique. Every episode, sure. every episode I talk about it, we call this elite physique university for a reason, guys. Like this isn't, this isn't shit for just gen pop that need to lose 30 pounds, and just get healthy. Of course, if there's someone listening, that's great. But guys, this is the extreme. Like, this is not for everybody. And if you struggle with patience, you're really kind of fucking yourself. So, you know, Jason, you said on multiple podcasts before, you know, bodybuilding and elite physique enhancement really kind of looks like Groundhog Day. Like, it's the same yeah. thing day in, day out. And, you know, how patient have you been over the last five years? Because your, your physique has just exploded over the last, really since 2016. Yep. 2015. Definitely. How important is it for th that patience has not been something that got impatience has gotten in your way? Well, you know, I mean, like anyone, as I was earlier in my, you know, bodybuilding career and, and trying to build my physique, I mean, I certainly had those times where I would look in the mirror and be like, man, nothing is just nothing's happening, you know? Um, but it, it, the, the reason you have to have patience is because it takes time to kind of kind of crack the code of your body. And, you know, coaches, obviously we help to, you know, take someone from A to Z much faster. And, you know, I did work with some good coaches coming up, but not most of my career. I did it kind of on my own. Again, I did, you know, prep with some, some good guys and do different things, but, but generally speaking, you know, most of my off seasons, I was always on my own and, and different things like that. And so, it felt like it took forever and eternity for me to really crack my code of what worked for me. But had I not stuck with it, I never would have got to this point. So, you know, I've been lifting for like 22 years, um, shit, 24, um, you know, and, and you learn a little bit more about your physique every year. So if you, you know, aren't patient, you are not going to maximize your physique at all. Yeah. And I don't know, man, if it's just because it's February now, it's still kind of the early part of the year, the first quarter of the year, everyone's kind of still in like, Hey, I need to diet. I need to do this. I just, I have a lot of clients and people messaging me that keep going back and forth with like, Hey, I want to diet down, but I really need to be in the off season. But the mm -hmm. biggest thing that people are struggling with, with me lately is 
they're fucking training. Like I'll, yeah. I'll send them a training program yep. and I'm not with them in person. So I, I give them some flexibility, but I'm like, Hey, here's a really good push pull legs, six day a week split. If that's what they're on, just as an example, it's got the exercises in there. It's got the total amount of sets and volume for that person. But the workouts are pretty much the same for everybody. Just the volume's different, but I tell them I'm not with you in person. So feel free to switch these exercises out and use the ones that you feel the best. And guys, this is a learning thing. I shouldn't have to write down every tiny little exercise for you if I'm not in the gym with you. I'm on a computer, you know, maybe a thousand miles away or across the ocean. You know what I'm saying? So I give them flexibility. I'm like, you have to use the exercise you feel best. And a lot of the times people just don't want it. They think that they need to change the exercises all the time. So like after yeah. two weeks, the workout rotates and they start over at the beginning. And I have it set that way for a reason. I have so many clients saying, I, I just can't keep doing this. I'm like, fuck yeah. it. It's week three. Like go back and start over. And the oh, reason yeah. why I tell people to do that, man, and, and, and I'll get your take on this is with training, people need to get good at the lifts over yeah. time whether they're a beginner or they're intermediate, you know, once you're advanced, it's a little bit different. You kind of know what you're doing. You shouldn't even have to listen to what I'm talking about right now, but intermediate and beginners, like they need to get good at the lifts. And I have some people, I don't even change if they find lifts at work, six months, eight months, you know, I'll deload them and I'll do all this other stuff. And we'll do, we'll talk about that on a training podcast, but do, do you struggle with that on your end, man? Do you have a lot of people showing you? I do. I do sometimes, but you know, when I build out a plan, I tell them, I say, you're going to stick to this for 10 weeks. And I said, the reason is, is because like you said, you got to get good at it. But you know, it takes, if you, you should be able to tease out uh, new reps or new weight for eight to 10 weeks. So, you know, if you can't get more weight, you should be able to fight for a rep. Um, and I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I joined the new crunch I'm at, I think I'm going on th year three most of my workouts are the exact fucking the same and I'm growing and progressing just great. You know, I post my pictures, people can see it. I really don't change my workouts that much. I'm good at the, the, the lifts I'm good at. I can feel them 100% where they need to be felt and I don't change them a whole lot. You know, I think someone said Ronnie Coleman did the same damn workout his whole career. I think they said that about Dorian Yates too. Like, you know, people just don't have long attention spans anymore and they think that the muscle confusion principle is like valid and it's bullshit so i expect my people eight to ten weeks on a workout program and i put that on there and so i don't get a ton of pushback but occasionally i'll get someone like oh i'm kind of bored and i'm like well then maybe this isn't sport for you you know you need to dig in and figure out you know what you really want to be doing here because there's no way you've maxed out your potential on those lifts in four weeks. No, not at all. Um, man, I can't wait for us to do a training episode. I, I, one more thing I'll say, and then we'll get on to our topic of insulin sensitivity. I tell people all the time, like, as you become better at the lifts, you actually will grow better when you actually perform the lift better. So think about, Oh, 100%. Think about LeBron James. This motherfucker has to shoot free throws every fucking day. You know what? Mm -hmm. uh, we'll go back to Kobe Bryant. That guy was outworked everybody, but he always, he got better because he kept practicing free throws. He was better at free throws at the end of his career than he was at the beginning, guys. It's because the more you do something, Repetition. the better you get. Yeah. He didn't need to just stop doing them and like try and go do a bunch of other shit to improve his game. So it is, it's repetition. Um, but I'll get off my soapbox. I just, I thought, fuck, man, I've had so many messages this week about this. Maybe we need to throw it out on the podcast. And I don't know about you, but a lot of the shit I talk about, my clients will email me, hey, I listen to, listen to episode <laughs> six. I'm not doing this shit right. I just want to let you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've had clients actually who are on macros after the nutrient timing oh, episode. Yeah. And that they're like, yeah, bad. you know, you gave me guidance, but I don't think I'm doing this right. Um, will you just build my diet? And, you know, they paid for one-time diet builds and I'm like, sure, let's, let's go ahead and set it up. You know, I'll do it exactly the way I, I would, you know, do it myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 100%. <clears throat> All right, man, let's, let's get on to this topic. So insulin sensitivity is an extremely, extremely important topic. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this all over the country, for the last few years, really, you, you presented the Physique Summit Conference on this 2017. I did yeah. last year. 
we've done multiple podcasts, the, the TNT podcast, that was three years ago. We're actually going to update the information that we put out there. This is going to be much better and improved. You talk about the Physique Education Collective. I've given online classes. It, to me, and this isn't me bragging, but there's not a lot of coaches out there doing this at the level that we are with the amount of clients that we have. So I, I feel like you and I are kind of the ones that, that have spearheaded um, insulin sensitivity in the bodybuilding community. And we're the ones with really the most experience. That's not a knock on anyone else, but you know, you've always said, Jason, there's, there's levels to this. There's the amount of knowledge that you have and you can't just become a fucking macro coach and you can't just give out macros and training and cardio and just like turn people loose. You have to really start to understand the systems of the body. And to me, insulin sensitivity is one of the most misunderstood things that a lot of people listening right now really, really need to learn about. I agree with you. I mean, you know, when I finally put all the pieces together, it helped me immensely in terms of maintaining kind of the the bodybuilding look year round, but also um, being able to help my clients grow and really stay healthy. It's one of the things that you need to watch um, in terms of a health marker. Yeah. And it's also, we kind of want to paint the picture here. Um, and when I say, you know, just macro coaches, guys, I'm not talking down to anybody because I was just a macro coach five years ago. Okay. This is always about progression. This is always about how you become better. And that's the way I approach my business. And Jason, you're the same as well. Like, how do we keep learning and how do you separate yourself from coaches that just kind of stay stagnant? So whenever, whenever I kind of paint the picture here, I think of, okay, who are we trying to help? If you're someone that you can only diet down people that are healthy clients, the people that their blood work is fine, you're not even looking at their blood work, or they've never really dieted before, or maybe only once, yeah, you can give them macros and training and cardio, and they're going to drop. Like, they're going to move pretty good, maybe even get them on stage. But if you've ever had clients that just no matter what you do, their body just seems to be ultra, ultra stubborn and you don't really know what's going on, this could definitely be one of those times where insulin sensitivity is just kind of shitty. Um, And then, Jason, I also think of of fatties like me. I think of people that every single year you've got to do an insulin sensitivity reset. Um, You know, if if you're just not able to maintain a super, super lean look, and you just have genetically kind of shitty insulin sensitivity. It's something that you really have to keep track of. So maybe you're that person listening. You're like, man, I just put on fat easier. It's real hard for me to lose. You, you might have shitty insulin sensitivity. Um, is there anything else, man? Did I miss anything? What other kind of scenarios are, are we are we kind of trying to paint the picture for here? Well, I mean, are you talking about in terms of like how it helps bodybuilders or? Uh, you know what? I got it. My bad. So think about clients like you. You were kind of the one that really started resetting insulin sensitivity before prep. Um, yes, to me, to me, that's another situation here. If you want to talk about that just for a second, then we'll kind of get to the meat meat of it because we've all kind of seen people get fed up, build your metabolism up, get your carbs high and then start your prep. We see a lot of that happening, but people don't start dropping for the first six to eight weeks. Right. You were, you were kind of the first guy three years ago that turned me on to, you know what, maybe we should improve that before prep. Talk about that for a second. Yeah. So, I mean, it came from my own problems. Um, I've shared before that, you know, insulin sensitivity or, you know, let's call it type two diabetes. Cause that's what it is, um, is something that runs in my family. And so in the off season, I just knew that you were supposed to get your carbs as high as you could and get your food up. And then, you know, that should be a great starting point for prep. Well, what I was finding was, you know, I'd pull my 60 carbs or whatever and start a little list and jack shit was happening. Um, And then I'd have to pull another 60 carbs and pull another 60 carbs. And before I knew it, you know, I'm fucking 15 weeks out. Uh, I haven't really felt like I've made much progress. Maybe I'm 14 weeks out and I barely dropped at all. And my carbs are now down, you know, sub 200, (laughs) you know, not much is going on. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I thought I did everything I was supposed to do. Well, you know, I started to realize that by the time I'd get my carbs down to 130, 120, 140, finally something would start to happen. And I really didn't understand what was going on until I really just started hearing people talk about insulin sensitivity. And I'm like, hmm, let me look into that. Let me read that about that. Let me figure out what that is. And so, then I kind of put it all together eventually that, Hey, you know, for me, I can't just pound 400 carbs for eight months 
um, in an off season and then expect to lose because my blood sugars were shooting over a hundred. So for me, I needed to watch this number and do either a nice reset before prep or, you know, start using GDAs, um, and get those numbers back into the eighties before my prep starts. Cause if you're over a hundred and you're trying to prep, um, you're not going to lose much fat. No, um, good luck. It, you're going you're to be beating your head up against a wall. And that's what was happening to me. And finally, like during those preps, I'd go into ketosis and, um, I'd make great progress. And then like, I'd get sick of ketosis or I'd be like, you know, I wonder what happened if I'd add carbs back. And then miraculously I'd get like fucking shredded within like two weeks and people are like, Whoa, what happened? I'm like, well, I put carbs back. Well, it's because I reset my insulin sensitivity. So I started thinking, well, why don't I just do that early on or at least make sure that I'm not letting my numbers get that high and I won't have that law in the beginning of prep. So I still have clients who, um, you know, if I am getting their carbs up high and preps coming along, I'll go ahead and have them, you know, kick me uh, their their blood glucose numbers. And if they are running towards the high 90s, I'll go ahead and, you know, kick a lot of their calories over into fats, um, drop their carbs, and we'll reset for three, four weeks before they prep. And then I'll yeah. put them right back onto carbs and lower the fat, and they, they do great. Yeah, and, and we're going to go into a protocol for you guys. Um, Jason, let's go ahead. I'm going to throw it back to you again. Let's go ahead and define insulin sensitivity um, and kind of what that is. Because here's the thing. I know there's a bunch of people listening to the show right now. They have blood glucose over 100, they're insulin resistant, maybe they're pre-diabetic, they have all this going on, and this isn't just for fatties, guys. Like, there's, this is for people that are lean. You know, Jason's lean right now, that doesn't mean that he, there's, you know, he could have been pounding carbs for a long time, his insulin sensitivity could be shit right now. It's not, you can't just go based on what someone looks like, and we're going to kind of get to that. But Jason, if you would define kind of insulin sensitivity so people understand exactly what we're talking about, then we'll get into the meat and potatoes. Sure. So insulin sensitivity means that your body is efficiently responding to its own insulin that is released. So what does efficient responding mean? It means that insulin is unlocking the cells which insulin is like a key. It opens up the cells to allow glycogen to um, basically be, be seated into the muscle. Um, and so you want the sensitivity high to your body's insulin because you won't have to release as much of the insulin. So you can do more work, i.e. storing the carbohydrate with less insulin release. And in the long run, that's going to be healthier. You're going to be able to stay leaner. You're going to be able to burn more fat in a state like that. You're basically more efficient at storing carbohydrate. Yeah. And guys, remember, the higher, the higher your blood sugar means the higher your body has to release numbers of insulin, right? So the higher your blood sugar, you have to release more insulin to help store the blood sugar and drive it down. Well, the higher your insulin stays the more your the insulin receptors start to downregulate, which means your yeah. body has to release more, more. insulin to do the right. job, which downregulates it more. more. So it's something, it's really, really a down a downhill spiral. And that's why we see a lot of people that sit on the couch and drink soda and eat chips every fucking day after work, like the unhealthy side. And that's not the people listening to this show. That's why they see that's why we see they're they're morbidly obese and they're all, you know facing diabetes possibly type 2 diabetes and it's that kind of downward spiral that can happen with people but for physique athletes it's something to where like i said the higher insulin is and blood sugar the more you're going to fight actually losing fat because insulin blocks fat burning to a large degree yes. um, and that's super super important um one other thing i do want to talk about jason real quick is from a health standpoint, guys, one thing that you need to understand, we'll talk about heart attack risk. This is something that I've done nothing but study damn near every day for the last year. Um, the higher your insulin sensitivity, I mean, the, the higher your insulin levels and blood sugar levels in your body. Think about that just coursing through your veins, right? The higher that is in the body, the more it causes damage to the inside of your arteries, not your veins causes damage there and that actually causes that damage inside from the higher blood sugar and insulin causes calcification to help kind of repair that damage calcification builds up over time and that's actually where you see blockage in the arteries it's not from cholesterol getting high and clogging your arteries like they used to tell us 30 fucking years ago and ldl and stuff like that it happens because 
the calcification that builds up from the damage. So insulin resistance and high insulin, high blood sugar levels cause that damage inside the arteries. And that's why you see, you know, type two diabetics are the ones most at risk for heart attack. Because think about all that coursing through your veins non, or your arteries nonstop. It causes that damage. So guys, from a health perspective, if you're looking about looking at having the healthiest heart and arteries you can, you want to have good insulin sensitivity. You want to have good blood sugar numbers, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Um, it's something that's become near and dear to me as, as my cholesterol levels were high. And the more I learned about it, I thought, you know what? Insulin sensitivity is just important for overall health, not just about how they look. So Jason, whenever you start to kind of look at your clients and you see their blood sugar levels and you're worried about, you know, kind of where they're headed and you need to do a reset. I know there's a range and a lot of people you can get on Google and you can look at these different ranges um, and there's different ways to test. So uh, kind of talk to me real quick about what ranges you like to see for your clients and when you know it's time to do kind of yep. an insulin sensitivity reset with blood sugar. Sure. So, you know, awesome numbers are going to be like 78 to 85. And not everyone is going to be that great. But, you know, if you're 85 to 95, I'm, I'm going to be okay with what we're doing. Um, but right around 95, we're going to start really watching it. And usually once you get to that point, it's going to start heading up because you're probably – carbohydrates, you're probably pushing calories, things are getting gummed up. Anytime you hit 100 um, and over, I'm going to want to reset um, because that's anything over 100 is where they start to say, hey, you're pre-diabetic. And remember, per, like type 2 diabetes is actually, excuse me, it's a reversible condition. The longer you live that way, the harder it's to reverse, but it's reversible. Um, so, you know, we just want to watch that for people that are prone. I mean, I have clients who can pound 700 carbohydrates and they send me their bg every week and it's like 83 85 84 and i'm like damn dude that's crazy but those those are the people that excel in the sport before this all this shit was worried about right like you know i i think it's i find it funny that you know bodybuilders be like oh that guy didn't worry about insulin sensitivity and blah 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 and it's like well great they didn't so some of them got lucky and some of them didn't and those unlucky ones now are missing feet or hands and you never saw them again Right. So, you know, yeah, old timers didn't do all this shit, but um, they didn't know as much as we know today. So, and anyways, anything over 100, I, I'm going to look to reset. And uh, I think we're going to touch on like how we do that in a minute or maybe really soon. But that's the ranges that I look at. Yeah, man. So, I mean, people can, you can just go to a pharmacy, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Walgreens or CVS, whatever, get a glucometer. That's what we're talking. That's how you test your blood sugar. Um, get a glucometer. And I always tell my clients, whenever you test this, I, I have my clients start first thing in the morning. And that's, that's kind of where I get a baseline to start. And I tell them, make sure you wipe your finger with alcohol, wipe it down really good. And then prick and make sure you get enough blood. So many people, they don't realize they just prick their finger especially if, if, if they still, you know, if they're doing it later in the day and you've been eating like, or a dirty <laughs> finger will throw the reading off. So make sure you wipe yeah. your finger off with alcohol, prick it, get blood and then test it. And that will tell you your, your blood sugar level. So a glucometer, those are pretty cheap. It's the damn strips that are going to get you. Um, they're a little expensive, but listen, this is what we do. It's not a, it's not a cheap sport. And this is super important for you guys to, to monitor. What about testing for insulin and blood glucose on labs, Jason? Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, you can get your uh, fasted glucose tested, and usually you want to fast 12 hours, um, so the night before into whenever, you know, the day of um, your test, what time it is. Um, and that's, you know, going to give you a pretty pretty accurate picture because the the handheld devices that we all use, they can be off 10 points either direction. Um, I use a contour or next easy. I think it's pretty, it's always ranked pretty high, but they're still off. So the fasted blood glucose um, is going to be much more accurate for blood. And then you also want to do fasted insulin as well. And so the reason for that is you could be headed down a path of insulin resistance, but right now your body's keeping up. And what I mean by that is, your body is putting out a shit ton of insulin to keep you in the 80s. And right now it's doing 
it's doing a good job. So if all you tested was fasted glucose, you could see an 80 and be like, that's awesome. But if you aren't looking at fasted insulin as well, and say your fasted insulin number is, is pretty high when you, when you test it, well, actually, you know that you're losing sensitivity and you would still want to reset that person. Um, so what's happening there is they're pumping out a lot of insulin to keep the number down. But what's going to eventually happen is, is what we talked about earlier in the show. As you pump out more and more insulin, you're going to be keep coming less and less uh, sensitive to it. And finally, the body, the pancreas is going to finally just crap out and stop producing enough. And it's going to flatline and then your blood sugars are going to spike. So you, by testing fasted insulin, it's a way to catch a situation where you're losing sensitivity, but your body is still keeping up and hasn't lost the fight yet, basically. Right. And that's why labs are so important. So you can actually, because you're not going to be able to test insulin at your house. No. Your, your blood, your, for those listening, your glucometer will test your blood sugar. So um, it's one of those things. And you're right, Jason, you know, so guys, that leads to easier fat storage. It leads to, if you're trying to diet, it makes it way harder because and that's what elevated insulin and blood sugar will do. So um, I do want to talk about, so I have my clients start out and I have them test first thing in the morning and I've got a whole, I've got a spreadsheet that I send them that calculates everything and I'll, I'll have them do a reset for four weeks. We'll get into that in a minute, but I always have them start first thing in the morning. Um, there's other places you can test like, you know, three hours to four yes. hours post prandial. That's, that's post meal. So I like you, three. Do you? Yeah. I, I yeah. typically tell them three to, to, to three and a half, but most people are eating every three hours. So I tell them just test, you know, right before their next meal, as long as it's at least three hours later. And you uh, want to see that coming back fairly close to baseline. It doesn't have to be exact, but you know, if that's staying elevated in one twenties, one thirties, one forties, well, that's an insulin insensitivity issue, you know, as well. Do you, do you have your clients start off measuring post meal or do you have them start first thing in the AM? I always, I always I like wake up and do it. Do you? I like both. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what can throw off the numbers in the AM. Let's talk about that real quick. Um, well, you can talk about Dom phenomenon and I'll talk about sleep just real quick. Um, there's a huge, huge correlation. I made a Facebook post and I actually showed one of my clients readings and I paired up their blood glucose readings every morning compared to their sleep and their weights, uh, readings, right? So when you, when you don't get enough sleep, your weight's almost always going to be higher the next day. It's just kind of the way it works, right? Um, there's that correlation between scale weight and sleep. So if I have a client that only slept four hours for some reason and they're up a couple pounds on the scale, almost every fucking time their blood sugar would be up. So if their blood sugar was down into, say, the mid-80s, I've seen people hit 100 just from low sleep. And once they went back and they got eight hours of sleep the next night, they dropped back down to you know 85 to 90 for example. And there's that direct correlation that I've seen with sleep. So if for some reason you're highly stressed and not sleeping for a few nights, you can probably expect your blood glucose readings, your blood sugar readings in the morning to be a little bit higher in relation to that. But when you get more sleep, it should drop back down to more of a normal range. Um, Jason, anything you want to add to that? Or do you want to explain the dawn phenomenon? Well, you know, I, I think you covered that pretty good. I'll, I can knock off Don phenomenon here pretty quickly. Um, you know, Don phenomenon is basically, you know, it's a, it's a natural rise in blood sugars that, you know, occurs early in the morning. Um, you know, your liver is dumping out some blood sugars and really it's in response to waking up and getting ready for the day. Um, you know, in people who have normal insulin uh, sensitivity and normal insulin release, your body tends to just go ahead and take care of it and you'll stay in, you know, your normal good ranges. It's, it's possible that, you know, some people who have this are losing sensitivity um, or they're not releasing enough insulin. So, you know, it helps to then kind of take a look at postprandials. And what you'll see is if someone's, you know, 113 in the morning, but then their postprandials are like 85, 88, you know, and they're, they're, they're dropping, dropping back down all day in response to food. I don't really worry about it. It's not, you know, they're, they're responding well to food you know, their, their insulin's being released. Their body seems to be sensitive to it. It's bringing blood sugars down into good levels. Um, so, you know, I don't make a huge deal out of Don phenomenon, but if you're, you know, catching one thirteens, you want to go ahead and test that pros pan, prandial, sorry, 
and see if you know their their insulin is is doing its job. If if not, and you're catching one thirties, one forties, it you know you you know that you've lost some insulin sensitivity. So you just want to be cognizant of it and kind of then go ahead and check your postprandials and see what's going on too. Yeah, man. Uh, one other thing I want to add, and then we'll start talking about supplements that will help improve insulin sensitivity, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes on an approach that you guys can use to reset your insulin sensitivity. If you guys go back and listen to episode two, and I'm going to refer back to that episode quite a bit as we continue to do these, Jason. Um, the episode two uh, topic was cortisol. We did a deep dive. One of the things people don't realize is the higher cortisol is, the more blood sugar you release, which means more insulin's released. So if you're somebody that's highly, highly stressed, man, I can't tell you how many times, like I can read through people's emails that have a lot of exclamation points and they're, they're kind of just spaz, either spazzes or they're just kind of unorganized. It's always those people that are highly stressed. I have to reset their insulin sensitivity more, their blood sugar mm -hmm. levels more the most other people. How, how important is cortisol when it comes to insulin sensitivity and actually getting that back under control? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're 100% on point there. Um, high cortisol definitely leads to um, insulin sensitivity and basically, you know, what's going on there. I think we did cover it in that episode, but if people didn't hear it, you know, just to give you a quick kind of synopsis. So, you know, the body is obviously under stress if cortisol is staying elevated. And so what's happening is you're in flight or fight, just kind of stuck. And the body is going to dump glucose um, because that's one of the major things that happens when adrenaline's released. Like your body dumps a ton of glucose so that you can run away from the tiger. Um, and so what's going to happen is your body then is going to release insulin to deal with it. And if you're constantly stuck in flight or fight mode, which a lot of people get stuck in, uh, you're constantly dumping insulin. And so your body, again, that's is going to start that whole thing that we talked about where over time, your body's going to be less sensitive to it because it's constantly bombarded by it. And then, you know, the pancreas is going to shut down eventually from, from producing it at all. You're going to flatline and, and all those things and blood sugar is going to really, really um, elevate. Yeah, man. So, I mean, you see people going through divorces, you see people pounding the fuck out of energy drinks like I used to back in the day, which, you know, energy drinks and caffeine levels being super, super high. I mean, there, there's another dude, just everybody's overstimmed and everybody's just run, 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 run. Now they never come back down. And that's one of those things to where you see a lot of insulin sensitivity issues and higher blood glucose readings with people like that. I, I know mine was well over a hundred when I was drinking fucking monsters on a, on a low carb diet. It's like, mm -hmm. fuck, man, I was constantly just beating my receptors to death. So, um, guys, cortisol and sleep are, are the two things that I notice when people get that under control. It's a hell of a lot easier for them to have better blood glucose readings. Um, Jason, let's jump over and let's talk about supplements to improve insulin sensitivity. Um, yeah. Glucose disposal agents, obviously. It, and I bring these up now before we get into the protocol because – a lot of people want to start adding this in when there's a problem. I actually like to add these in year round now. Me too. Um, glucose disposal agents, just real quick, are supplements. Jason makes um, GDA Max by New Ethics. You've also got Slintrol. Um, there's some good products on the market. Basically, they just help your body secrete less insulin and move blood sugar. So you have less of that stuff naturally coursing through your body. It just helps insulin do its job better. So they help improve insulin sensitivity or help keep your insulin sensitivity in a better state year round. And I don't think there's any reason that someone would ever have to cycle on or off. These are all natural supplements. It's not like we're saying take metformin year round. We're not talking about that. We're talking about over the counter supplements, kind of like the ones that Jason makes. Um, Jason, you have your clients taking these for the most part year round. I mean, I'm sure there's some outliers. Do. that don't. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, you, you're right though. I mean, if there are times when I get someone who comes to me, it just happened recently. Their blood sugar, uh, their fasted blood sugar was 78. Their A1C was like, I think it might've been 4.9 or five. And so I didn't put them on it. I mean, there was no point. There was other problems going on. Um, and I think their fasted insulin was like 2.7 and like the lowest they really wanted is like 2.2. Um, so there was no point to put them on it. Like, you know, I was worried about, you know, going, um, hypo, Right. Uh, which would then cause a, a dumping of, of, of glucose, you know, your body would adjust to that. <clears throat> so I just didn't use it, but generally speaking, uh, the, the mess of uh, hormonal 
that I get, they're pretty much going on a GDA. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. They're cheap. They're effective. Um, they're well, well worth it. Especially those two Jason make Jason. What, what else, what else do we have here? I know you want to talk about Elkarn again, injectable Elkarn, because it's just one of those that I'm having a hard time finding a reason for people not to take this. Yep. So, you know, before we hit that, I was just going to real quick hit on GDAs again. Um, so there are some people that are more sensitive to these products. And so I've found that some people don't even need one unless they're, you know, over 40 carbs. I'm not one of those people. I can use one pretty much with 20 grams of carbs and I'm not going hypo. But again, I'm not as insulin sensitive as some other people. I have to work and watch it and carb time and, and you know, really watch my body. Um, but there are some people that, you know, unless they're hitting 40 carbs, they might not need um, you know, a GDA max. I mean, we've got berberine in it. We've got, you know, vanadol, we've got chromium, we've got, I mean, it's, it's loaded. And so, you know, I guess what I would say is to some people, um, see how you feel after you take one. If you feel a little clammy, a little sweaty, even get slight nausea, you're probably lowering your blood sugar more than you need to. Most people, like I said, though, if they've been in the dieting world for a while, they've got stress on their body. They've got things going on. They're going to benefit from it for pretty much any amount of carb, uh, carbohydrate intake. But just kind of just kind of watch and see what you feel after you use one. And if you get any of those symptoms, you might not need it with that meal moving forward. Wait till you're hitting 40 or 50 or more. And then when I do cheat meals, I take two of my GDA Max. And I try to get that in me like when we order the food. So it's already kind of doing its job, clear out some sugars. Um, getting digested. Um, so those are a few strategies. And we covered, um, I believe, like GDAs, like do we need them post-workout? We covered all that in the insulin sensitivity. So we don't need to hit that again. But I just wanted to put those two things out there as caveats. Yeah, man. And, and the L-Carn improves insulin sensitivity as well. Yes, hugely. I mean, I have people who, um, you know, have had insulin sensitivity issues and they're using um, – low dose of growth hormone, which I don't know how many people of our listeners know, but that actually causes your body to dump glucose. And so your blood sugars are going to be more elevated or IE you're going to, you're going to become less insulin sensitive on, on GH. And so L-carn counters that really well, especially with people who don't want to mess with insulin. Um, but L-carn is amazing. If you aren't taking GH or anything like that, and people come to me and they've had insulin sensitivity issues and they start um, an injectable L-carnitine protocol. I mean, it works really well. That's one of the reasons I think that people stay so lean on and get lean. Other than the you know fact that it's it's literally shuttling shuttling fat into the mitochondria for energy. But I also think the improved insulin sensitivity from that is also part of the bang for the buck. Yeah, I can tell you right now, my normal fat ass at two hundred and ten pounds doesn't look, <laughs> doesn't look like I do right now. And I mean, I don't look like a Greek god, but I just I just took pictures the other day hitting a side chest. And, you know, I've been pretty sick for like five weeks, yep. but the injectable carn has been a staple in, in, oh, yeah. in my system for six fucking months now. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, I can eat more on that. My yep. insulin sensitivity is better and I'm leaner at 210 than I have been. Yep. Man, in probably five, six, seven years. So I'm oh, pretty, yeah. and pretty the, happy. The cool thing that. is like over time, your body's going to keep, keep getting more efficient. Like you're going to notice that you're just going to keep getting slightly leaner. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, and that's what happens. It's like almost, like as long as I keep everything the same, I'm just slowly getting leaner. And it's, and I know part of it's because insulin sensitivity is improving as time goes on. So, um, man, any other any other insulin sensitivity products that we can talk about? I know GDAs and L-carn are the main ones. There's probably well, I mean, obviously there's metformin, but that's prescription, right? And yeah. you know, I don't know if we want to get into it. I mean, it's it works. Um, you know. Uh, anywhere from 1,000 milligrams to 1,500 milligrams a day is, is going to do the job very well, and you won't need other GDAs while you're using that um, by any means. Yeah, and I know they're, they're a little different. I'd almost like to match up two of your GDA max to, to a metformin, you know, 500 milligrams, just yep. to see and measure blood glucose with a glucometer. Um, I'd almost, I'd almost put the money. I, I'm a big fan of berberine, which you have. I think it's 500 migs in your product. I'm a big fan of that. Sometimes I just take cilantrol and I'll throw in my own berberine yeah. uh, because I have it and I have a bunch of your cilantrol still. But, um, 
man, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So I'd, I'd be real interested to kind of see how those would match up against each other. And, and anybody can get GDA Max. Yes. So it's, it's, you don't have to go to a doctor for that. You know, we see a lot of people that are pre-diabetic or type 2. Like, they're getting metformin. A lot of people know it's glucophage is another name for yes. it. Um, that's pretty common. But most of our listeners, if you're not going to the doctor, you're probably not going to get your hands on that. Let's see here. All right, man, let's talk about uh, nutritional approaches to improve insulin sensitivity. I can kind of go over what I do for my clients. And this is yep. what the whole my whole talk was um, on at the physique summit. When I notice that I'm having issues with people and usually, usually I'll reset people in the off season or before a prep. Um, but I'll, t- I'll talk about the off season. You talk about before the prep and, uh, unless you have something to add on mine. So in the, in the off season, you'll see people that, you know, they've been pounding carbs or having good training sessions. They have a lot of energy trying to, to grow and improve. But over time for most normal mortals like myself, if you're eating two, three, 350, 400 carbs and, and you're growing, you'll notice you slightly just start to get a little softer, a little chubbier. It's just part of it. And that's because the longer you keep your carbs higher or high enough, your insulin sensitivity starts to go down. But for all the reasons we talked about in the very beginning of the podcast, Jason laid it out perfectly. So as time goes on, your insulin receptor starts to downregulate and you have to secrete more. It just leads to you gaining fat a little bit easier. I see it with myself every year prior to this. I would just start to get a little chubbier. I'd creep up from 215 pounds to 220. And it would always happen in a couple of months, man. Like when that shit happens, it happens fast. Well, yeah, I was going to say, watch your pump. Like if you're not getting as pumped up and you can just tell in the gym at the mirror, you don't have as dense of a look, your, your insulin sensitivity is fading. That's a, that's a good point, man. That, that's a great point, actually. Um, and, and, and it happens fast, regardless of a change in diet is what I was going to say. Um, because I'm pretty much the guy that eats the same shit all the time. Like, I'll have a free meal every week. But, dude, it's not like I just go, like, I'm too old for that shit now. Like, I don't blow Me it too. out. I don't eat like an asshole. Like, I'll, I'll have some pizza or something on Sunday, and I'm good. But it, irregardless of a change, I just notice myself getting a little chubbier and fatter. And I know a lot of our listeners are shaking his head to their heads. They're thinking, man, he's talking to me. That's the time to where you should start. Well, you should be measuring your blood sugar a little bit off and on. You don't have to measure it all the time. Like maybe, if, maybe once a week, I think in the off season is good. Maybe if you're twice. a person who is pushing your calories to get them to a higher state, you really should be watching it. If you're someone who eats low carb all the time, Hey, take it occasionally, but you don't really have to watch it. But if you're pushing carbs up um, and you know it's more than like what your body really would eat if you were just a normal Joe on the street, you should be watching it. Yeah, I, I tell my clients, hey, t- take it once or twice a week, first thing in the morning. Just kind of keep an eye on it. If it starts getting up above, you know, to 100 or above, let me know. And we'll, we'll do a reset. It, how often do you have your clients check it in the office? You just My per- clients who are pushing food, I, I just have them put it on their, their uh, check-in once a week. Okay, gotcha. So pretty, pretty close to the same yeah. thing. Um, so that's normally what I see with people in the off-season. So what I'll start is, start is a four-week protocol. And I used to just do it with keto, but, dude, people just can't fucking stick to that. And what I found is you don't have to go keto. So for four weeks no. – what I like to do with my clients, there's two different approaches that I take. I'll drop all their carbs and only have them eat carbs pre and post workout. And then I replace all their carbs that I dropped with fats. Now, sometime if they need to lose it, like if they're like me and they're, they just hold fat in the off season, just genetically, I'll have to do, I'll have to lower their calories too. So mm-hmm. it's not just about getting the carbs out of the way. Sometimes you have to drop their calories and create a deficit Correct. because if not, they've just got it kind of got, you know, Jason, you, I've heard you say it before, a traffic jam going on yep. in, in yep. the, you know, with blood flow. So you need to actually create some kind of a deficit because a deficit in general will improve insulin sensitivity, but sometimes you can't just bog your system down with a fuck ton of fats either. Nope. Oh, so, not when it's already, not when it's already insulin sensitive. <laughs> right. So for the most part, I'll drop people down to pre and post workout carbs only and I'll put the fats at their other meals, and I'll probably create a slight deficit. And that's kind of what I do from a nutritional standpoint. We'll talk about training and all that stuff here after we talk about the nutrition. Um, what do you normally do when you, when you kick someone over and do a reset with nutrition? I think I'm pretty much in line with, with yourself. I mean, my first go-to um, 
is I will try to go ahead and half their carbohydrate intake and then run the calculation real quick and put it over into fats, um, some into fats, some into protein. Um, so that way I'm not, you know, just giving them all fat. Um, sometimes that works, but for a lot of people, like you said, then you've got to go ahead and keep pulling it down and actually get into a deficit. Um, if that's not producing, then the third step for me is I will go ahead and put them on a ketogenic diet. Um, but usually the deficit with already having the carbs lower to begin with, uh, does the trick. Um, and, and we're getting where we need to go. Yeah. So let's talk about if they're not really responding. So if, if, if I do that stuff with people four weeks go by, you know, I'll have somebody drop from, you know, 110 and I'm getting them down and by about the fourth week and they're in, this is if they're hitting everything perfect, not fucking around cheating on the diet and shit like that. They're doing everything I recommend and they're still at a hundred. I've seen that quite a bit. Usually it's those people that have low sleep, high stress. Those are the type of people I have to extend it out another two, three, maybe in four weeks. And it's from that point, I'll take them from carbs pre and post to I'll just take them to keto I'll drop their protein down to match because um, protein can't be as high. You can't yeah. have it really, really high. So I'll drop that down to, to match. And, you know, we'll talk about all that in the keto topic and episode at some point in the future. But that's generally where I have to take them keto. And at that point, most of the time, that's going to do the trick. The only time I see it just not work is with those highly, highly fucking stressed individuals. And as you guys can't tell, that kind of gets on my nerves because that's something that people – I know everyone, you can't control all your stress, but you can fucking control sleep. You can chill the fuck out a little bit and not, and be a little bit more organized. It's those people that ultimately I just can't really get them there. But most of the time, just with removing the carbs, I can get them down at least into the nineties. So do you ever have any issues with people that you just can't get reset? Yeah, I've had them. I've had them before. Um, and then I went to metformin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, sometimes people, you know, it's not even their fault though with sleep, you know, I've got, you know, people who are nurses or people who are in school and, you know, they got to work and they, they want to get to the gym and they, they, maybe they have kids and it's like, you know, something's got to give and it's their sleep. And then, you know, when you don't have enough sleep, you don't really react to things properly. So, you know, stress builds. And so, yeah, I've, 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 ran through all the nutrition strategies and, and GDAs and, and you can't get them down and I'll go the metformin route. Yeah. And you know, maybe I shouldn't be such a hard ass because there are going to be those few people out there that they just, their sleep just not going to improve. Um, but for the most part, people can like, you can go back and listen to the last episode and listen to the beginning and hear Jason talk about relax liposomal and adding some melatonin and two cordies. Like there's ways people can maximize their quality yeah. of sleep. 100%. I just find the people I can't are always those people. They're scattered. They're highly stressed and they just don't plan their shit out. They just won't yeah. get good sleep. They're just it. not organized with their life is the ones you're yeah, talking about. Drives yeah. me fucking batshit crazy. And I get that 100%. And I've had to have those hard talks uh, before as well. Yeah. If, if you're someone that you're doing all that you can and we just can't get your numbers down, you're definitely going to be a GDA person the rest of, I mean, honestly, you should just keep that in for the rest of your life. It's just the way it is. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, fighting glycation is going to make you age slower. 100%. Right. Right. So there's someone I I just tell them like, listen, you need GDA every single time you have carbs, you know, females, I, I always tell them like, if you've got 20 or more carbs in a meal, have a GDA. There, there's a reason that people who only eat 1800 calorie diets in general live longer. I mean, they, they aren't bombarded by the, the, the process of, of dealing with carbohydrates in their body, you know? So, um, you know, if you take a GDA, you're gonna, you're gonna limit or at least limit your exposure to that process. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Jason, we're going to we'll keep, let's we'll stay on the nutrition topic and then we'll talk about the training to kind of go along with this. Talk about off season leading into a show prep. So if you've got someone that you, that you think their insulin sensitivity is just kind of shitty or they come to you, they're going to hire you for a prep. Like say somebody comes to you right now, it's February and they want to do a show in the fall and they're a little too fat and their insulin sensitivity sucks. Maybe, maybe yep. you're, dude, maybe you're doing my diet right now. Okay. <laughs> how, <laughs> how are you, uh, 
how are you going to reset my insulin sensitivity and then start a prep? Because I think that's kind of a fa- I do it now, obviously, so I know the answer. That's a fascinating topic that a lot of coaches that are listening right now, they don't get. So kind of pull the, pull the curtain back. Yeah, so, I mean, I get this all the time. Um, I had a lot of clients recently, you know, within the last six months come to me, uh, you know, with show ideas and they're just too fat, in my opinion. And so 90% of the people who come to me and they want to grow lean, my first thing I do is I diet them. And I tell them, I want you to actually look like a physique athlete. So I diet their body fat down. I say, I want to see some abs. I want to see a lower back that's not, you know, jutting out to the right and to the left when I look at you. And so I diet them. And I'm like, I don't really care about that stage date. We're going to diet you down right now. I'm going to make you look like a physique athlete. And then we're going to reverse properly. You're not going to eat like a dumbass after I get you lean. You're going to follow my direction. And lo and behold, I get their calories back up nice and high. They're lean. And now they're primed to get ready for a show. And that's generally how I do it when someone comes to me and they say, hey, I want to gain lean mass. And I'm like, well, that ship sailed. You're too fat. Let's cut first, and then we will gain some lean mass. Yeah, so you're improving their insulin sensitivity yep, by getting them leaner. Yep. So what, whenever you take someone, so maybe maybe you are doing pre and post. We'll just use that an example. Um, and you're getting ready to start their prep, and you've got a couple weeks left. How are you going to transition people from pre and post workout carbs back to a starting amount? Do you just throw all the carbs back in and lower the fats? What's that? And I know that's different for everybody, but just kind of give someone a, a general idea how they well, transition from see, that. I'm doing a it a little different in that, you know, I'm going to diet them and then I am going to reverse them. And so, but I'm going to reverse them with, you know, carbs timed properly, but it won't just be pre and post. I mean, I might have carbs pre intra post meal one i might have you know i might get them back to where you know the bulk of their carbs is still pre and post but now they have carbs for three other meals but because i've 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 done it right and i've done it i've walked it backwards they've stayed leaner um so their their insulin sensitivity generally speaking is going to be better so now i can just start the diet and start pulling normally and they're going to respond so that's that's kind of how i do it i don't always have them just you know at pre and post yeah, just so I, I had a girl um, that I was working with this last fall. I'm still working with her. She's getting ready to do pro shows this year. And, man, fucking calories are high. I had her eating like 2,400 calories, you know, 300 carbs a day. Like, she's she's somebody who can eat. But I knew from testing her blood glucose, we had to reset her insulin sensitivity. And the thing was, is, is it the way that it fell, I have to start her prep in March. Um, you know, actually here at the end of February, I had to reset her during the holidays but secretly, I did a reset with her with pre and post workout carbs only around Christmas and New Year's and all of that shit because I knew it was going to keep her from from gaining fat. So what happened was is I did a reset and we were done right right around the beginning of January. And then I reversed her like you're talking about for January and we're finishing up the reverse now. And then when March 1 rolls around, then I'm going to go ahead and create that deficit, throw the cardio in, and that's how to start the prep. But I, I like to give them, you know, a, a good month or two of getting the calories back up, letting their body fill back out. And then that gives me room to kind of drop the calories again. Is, is that pretty similar to how you do yes, things? Right. That, that's how, that's how I generally do it because I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get the cut done and you know, the cut could, you know, vary from however the carbs are timed. I might get down to pre and post only, and then I'm just going to walk it back up so that I prime their body with, you know, get their metabolism going again and get ready for the cut. And so that could vary for so many people. I could be adding, you know, carbs back into meal one. I could be adding them back into other meals. But, you know, by by getting them leaner and then walking it back up the right way, generally speaking, and then, you know, now they're on, they're on GDA Max with me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching other um, situations on hormones. So everything, generally speaking, their, their blood sugar should stay in a good range for, for me. Um, and then I can just start to diet by a normal pool, maybe 50 to 60 carbs and go from there. Yeah, man. And something else interesting, and I know you've probably seen this as well. When I'm done with the insulin sensitivity release and I start to add those carbs back in, those calories back, yep, you fucking stole the words right out of my mouth, man. Like they get leaner. Metabolism starts to fucking, it starts to zoom. It starts to move because of carbohydrates and kind of how they work. And a lot of the times I'll tell my clients, I'm like, Hey, 
your prep hasn't quote unquote officially started, but let's make this kind of a soft start, kind of like a yep. soft launch yep. to your prep. And if you stick to this and yep. you're real, real anal, you know, if you're on your macros and nine out of 10 on a, on a yep. 10 scale, like you can possibly get leaner and that's yes. going to actually save us a little bit of time. And yep. most people are pretty motivated because they know preps coming up. And if I can get them to buy in, do sometimes I can get them leaner just by adding the food. Oh, Fuck, yeah. that's nice. If you're yeah. a coach, that's a that's a good feel. I was reviewing one girl's plan today, and it's exactly you know we we leaned her out first, and I'm just slowly reversing her. And her calories today were at like two thirty, four hundred five carbs and seventy fats. And she's you know she checked in today and she's leaner again. And I'm like, great, you know, prep in March is going to be awesome. And so I I know that everything's going well, and and you know I don't have to really worry about a reset again because we did all the hard lifting. And I'll just be able to start her from those macros and just, you know, clock right along like a normal prep. That's not your beast Megan over there, is it? That you no, no. Her you. macros are pretty good, but hers aren't even that high. No. <laughs> let's talk about, uh, let's talk about training and kind of yeah. how that goes along. I, I know whenever, whenever I reset someone's insulin sensitivity, I like to actually give them a break from the heavy, heavy rep ranges. And, you know, they're for for a little while, I like them to go higher rep on their training, you know, more days at 20 to 30 reps, just because that improves insulin sensitivity for the first, I tell them, listen, for the first week or two, just go ahead and take the time. It, it, it's a little easier on your joints and your CNS, but take the time and do some high rep training. I might throw some hit intervals in there if they haven't been doing it because that improves insulin sensitivity. Um, I'll do that with my clients for the first couple weeks. Do you do anything to, to kind of change around training or do you just let them go and you let the nutrition? No, do I, I kind of let the nutrition do most of it, but I do add in hits, you know, um, because, you know, generally speaking, it's, it's a dieting phase. Um, I'm trying to reset them. It's going to obviously burn more glycogen to do that. Um, and I'm like you, I'm, I, I don't go crazy on the hit intervals, you know, five, to start maybe two or three times a week. Right. I don't like to get those too high because now you're causing other hormonal cascade problems. Um, but no, I, I understand your reasoning on that training for sure. Um, but it's never something that I've done with myself and I really don't do it with my clients. Um, you know, maybe I should consider that, but I, I generally don't. I generally keep training pretty much the same. Now, if we're dealing with you know insulin insensitivity and thyroid downregulation and maybe low testosterone, I'm going to actually pull back training um, just a, a lot in general because I got to get stress down, you know, because wow. then we're dealing with a stress issue, not just a, a food issue that caused it. So that's a whole other ball of wax. But I kind of like what you're talking about, but I actually don't don't do that. I, I started <laughs> doing it with my clients doing pre and post carbs because I know whenever I do um, a keto plan and someone's coming off carbs, I always tell them like, listen, we got to get your, your reps really, really high because that depletes glycogen, which will help kick you into ketosis. So I kind of stole it from what I do with keto. Mm -hmm. I thought, mm -hmm. fuck it, man, let's just deplete them. Let's improve some insulin sensitivity right out of the gate. So, um, it's a nice change, you know, it's something. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. But, it, it'll make me think about it at least, you know, I might, I might, might try it. Do pe people laugh they're like, Oh, lightweight 20 to 30 reps. I'm like, listen, motherfucker if you do that shit to failure and you actually train hard 20 to 30 reps is no joke. I'll have clients come into town to train with me at one of my gyms and I'm so accustomed to 20 to 30 reps. They train with me and we'll do just like 16 total sets for chest, but they're all in the 20 to 30 rep range. Dude, they're fucking dying. So like yeah. when you do it right, you can actually put on some decent muscle. Um, that's actually been studied. Brad Schoenfeld has, has some really good research on heavy rep ranges versus higher rep ranges and they were damn near the same for muscle growth. So don't, when you guys hear me talking about high reps, don't, don't laugh. Don't, don't well, your eyes at it. My thought process on that is, is it's, it's probably because of the time under tension. I mean, we, yeah. there's been studies that show that, you know, 30 seconds at least for a set is like really kind of the sweet spot. And so if you're doing four by six and you're done in 15 seconds, you're not really getting to that sweet spot of time under tension where, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Um, and you know, I do a lot of tempo training. So a lot of my sets are in that 30 to 40 range. And I feel like that is zapping glycogen, even though I'm only doing maybe 12 reps, they're so slow. And then muscles under tension that I feel like it is still zapping a lot of glycogen. Yeah, man. And the cell swelling is just through yes. the fucking yeah. roof, man. I can't wait until our first, uh, elite physique 
university seminar that we're going to have coming up in June. More on that stuff soon, guys. But we'll have it probably where we have some super super VIP tickets where a couple people will train with each of us. And yeah, we'll I hope take so. Through. I we'll like take that. Through some of this stuff, man. It'll it'll be it'll be fun. So more on that stuff soon, guys. Um, one more thing, and then we'll kind of wrap this up, Jason. Let's talk about should you or should you not have a high carb day or a cheat meal when you're trying to reset insulin sensitivity? What's what do you recommend for your clients when you're doing this? You know what? When I'm doing this, I still let them go have a meal, but I tell them, look, go have something tasty, but keep it healthy. Maybe like, you know, a steak, uh, a sweet potato, um, you know, get a salad, <clears throat> whatever dressing you want. So they can still go, you know, be social, break bread. But look, you know, you can't go going crazy and, and pound food because you're just not you're just not there yet. And, um, you know, it's going to stick to you more. You're going to on fat. So yes, I allow a free meal still, but I'm giving parameters on that meal. Yeah. What, I, what about you? Well, I tell people, I'm like, listen, this is important right now. You need to think about this the same way you think about a diet because we have the same overall goal. You're not getting on stage, but you're improving your insulin sensitivity. This is extremely important for four weeks. So I tell them, listen, limit eating out to, and I, I tell them the same thing, once a week, go out and have a, a meal, but have something that's trackable and try and hit your, your macros with that stuff. I don't want you just blowing it out and having pizza and ice cream right. and stuff yeah. like that. So it, it, I, it takes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you know, I think the cleaner foods are a little bit easier because people can track those. So if I've, if I've got a female having 225 carbs on her high day, just for an example, you know, she can go get that with a sweet potato and a chicken breast, or she can get some, you know, make fajitas at home. Like there's all kinds of stuff that you can do. Um, but I tell them like, you got to be on the GDAs those days. If you're having a high carb day, it's GDA with every single meal. Um, and spread that out too, by the way, you, you don't want to have two really gigantic meals. I'm a big firm believer when you're trying to reset insulin sensitivity, have those 225 carbs spread out into six meals, for example. Um, yeah. It's just easier when you don't have these high spikes in insulin. And then when you pair that up with the GDA at every single meal, I've seen this because I measured this myself with my glucometer. You see a, you see a, a short rise in, in blood sugar, and then you see it come back down. And by the time three, three and a half hours go by and you're ready to eat again, that's a good sign. And I'm a big fan of people measuring that too. If, you just, if you're a geek like me and Jason and you want to see – you know your body's ready to eat again when it starts to come back down into the 80s and 90s. Yep. Then, then yep. you can turn around and eat again, and a GDA will help get you there. Yes. So I'm a That's big. That's why big sometimes post workout, you know, I like one, even though you know glute four translocations happening, and you know that means the, the 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 protein carriers are coming up to the cell surface to to take the glycogen. But you know, I like that uh, sometimes to hit that GDA. I, I talked about in the. Um, uh, the GDA, what, whatever, uh, episode we had, but I was talking Nutrient about, timing. Yeah. yes, I was talking about how, you know, sometimes if I don't feel super hungry, I come home, I'll shower first, but I'll go ahead and pop a GDA or two to go ahead and want, get my body to that point where it's signaling at once that food, that hunger signals there. And, and my, my glucose is, you know, dropping out so that, so that the body is primed for the meal. Yeah, man. Let's let's go ahead and wrap this up. And I do yeah. want to talk about these classes that you've had going on. And, and you and I talked before the episode. I've actually got some lined up for March. Um, so we'll talk about how people can actually be part of some of these classes that we have going on. Um, but to kind of wrap this up, I think the bottom line is obviously better insulin sensitivity means less fat storage, a leaner physique, and a better utilization of carbs year round. But dude, honestly, guys, we we want you to be around long term. Like we want to be around long term. It's not just about how jacked you look or how lean you look, but better long term health. And to me, keeping insulin low, Jason, that's one of the things I think everyone should be concerned with. Slower aging too. Yeah, I mean, th insulin is is the uh, oh, what do people call it? The death hormone, death hormone. the yeah. aging hormone. Um, I mean, think about it. Look at some of these people that don't train. Like, just compare people that work out like we do yeah. up to the listeners. Well, fuck, here, here it is. Look at J-Lo from the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. He's fucking 50. Oh, she man, trained. how, many, how many of your couch potato housewives were so pissed about her pole dancing at 50, you know? Dude, it's because they, it, because they feel like shit. Oh, of course. Because her husband's sitting there looking at that, and they feel inadequate. 
Yes. And well, fuck, she's working her fucking ass off. Yeah, dancing and eating right is hard work. And she probably, I'm sure she still goes to the gym too. Yeah, I mean, I could tell, dude. Like, she's she's firm. You know what I mean? Like, she's not like I don't I don't look at her. I'm like, oh man, she's hot. I just don't look at girls like that. But I look at her and I respect. Oh, I do. She's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I respect the physique. So I mean, there. If you look at that and you look at, I, I threw up a meme the other day that had one of the Golden Girls from like 1985 when she was 50 compared to J-Lo now when she's 50. It's just a huge, huge difference, man. 100%. One looked like a grandma and one looked like, yeah, man, let's, uh, let's go take her on a date. (laughs) So, Hey man, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about these classes that you've got going on because that's pretty cool. I know, I I know in the future I'm going to do an advanced ketogenic dieting um, class where I'm going to let people come in and be a part of that and pay for it. And you just did just talk about the one that you just did because these are filling up quick and you're only allowing what five people in. Eight I people? do eight. I do eight a class. And uh, the first one I had was back on February 2nd and that eight filled up in two days. My one for March 1st is already filled for eight. Um, I'm doing uh, basically I'm teaching you how to fix a physique that refeeding or feeding up didn't work. You know, like, yeah, feeding up works for some people, but there are people that after a year, 18 months, they're contacting me and they're like, yeah, my coach keeps trying to die at me. You know, we did feeding up and it's not working. And I'm like, they looked at blood work and I'm like, they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, that coach can't serve you. I, your loyalty is awesome, but blind loyalty is dumb. And so this class basically teaches you how to look at the blood work, how these, how the body works. Um, cause most of these are women. So I go more of a deep dive into like how a female body's hormones work with progesterone, estrogen, what cortisol does to it. And I'm showing you how to, um, shit, sorry about that. How to basically look at all the blood work and then what you do with training, what you do with nutrition, what you do with supplementation to get the functions working so that you can feed the body up and everything starts working in a proper situation. So I'm teaching, you know, people how to do that. Most of the people that took it were coaches, but I think there was one or two people that just wanted to know the knowledge for themselves. So I'm offering that online. Uh, we get on Zoom. Um, I pay for a subscription so we can be on there as long as we want. Everyone logs in and I teach the class and I provide a 25-page PowerPoint that's basically like a desk reference that people can print off. They can reference it because when I learned a lot of this, I had to look at my notes every time. You know, I'm like, oh, progesterone's low. What fixes that? You know, and I had to, I had to keep, you know, so I give that. Um, and then we go over a case study. One of my clients, I show blood work prior what the issues were, what ranges we need to be in. And I show what I did and what I had her take and all the different things. And then we go from there. So um, it's been well received. And so that's pretty cool. So I'll probably do some other ones on and maybe insulin sensitivity and maybe some other topics. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, man. Super cool. I, I know I've got the same thing lined up for advanced ketogenic dieting and to talk about all the different ways to apply that. So I'll have something like that coming out in March, but that's pretty cool, man. So just kind of keep an eye on where, where are you promoting that on stories and on, uh, I just promote it on my stories and on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Stay tuned guys. And finally, the very end of the show, I've got a big ask for you guys. And I've been doing this every single episode. Now that we're at the end, if you guys don't mind, hit pause, leave us a quick review that there's some stars there and write something up and let us know what you like about the show. Or if you don't like it, let us know what you don't like. But these reviews really help us get this show out. And then we just ask that you, that you uh, tell a friend. Um, Other than that, Jason, I think this has been a really good episode. We'll probably see if we get some questions. If we get enough, we'll do a QA and a after we just did this deep dive, and we'll do that next week. If we don't get a ton of questions, then we'll uh, jump on to our next topic. Anything you want to uh, wrap up with? Are you good? I think I'm good. I mean, we've already given them about, oh, man, hour and 15 minutes, so I think um, heads are probably spinning, so I'm good. Yeah, I'm good too, man. For myself and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.